Today, we are honored to sit down with Andy Greger as the Director of Technology and Digital Innovation and Co-Chair of the Wellness Committee at the Michigan State University College of Nursing. Andy leads a team dedicated to researching, networking, and collaborating with faculty, staff, students, university services, and vendors. His team's collective aim is to identify and support new educational technologies for on-site and off-site classrooms, conference rooms, office spaces, simulation areas, and online environments. The team also provides professional development services for instructors within the classroom, simulation spaces, and online platforms. Their overarching goal is to impart knowledge to their customers regarding the most effective methods for content delivery and best practices that uphold both the land-grant mission of Michigan State University and the mission at the College of Nursing. But before we get to the world of tech, Andy, let's talk about another passion of yours. So as co-chair of the Wellness Committee here at the college, what is the goal in regards to the mental health of our students and employees? Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me on this podcast. Really appreciate to be here talking about a number of passions that I have. And, you know, wellness, uh, the college really takes this seriously. And then we're fortunate to have our own wellness council here now at the college. And, and the mission of the wellness council is to serve and foster a healthy culture where individuals within the College of Nursing are supported to pursue their wellness goals and thereby more productive and effective employees and students. So I think we do that by looking at more than just physical health, mental health. We, there's 10 dimensions of wellness that we, we look at. And so from my perspective, digital wellness is one of my passions as well. Well, and thinking about digital wellness, what are some tips that you can give? Because we live in such an online and connected world. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the opportunities I have that I enjoy most every semester is talking with our new students at orientation. So I receive about an hour each semester to talk to new incoming students. So I talk to them about technology resources that they have available to them. Um, But I spend a lot of time talking about digital wellness and social media and internet connected devices in nursing. So obviously we have to really make sure that we're following HIPAA guidelines and making sure things aren't getting posted out on, on the internet, on social media about patients. But I always also talk a lot about, you know, the digital wellness and, and how, certain technologies, social media can kind of get in our way of what we're really trying to accomplish in our work. And it's also about encouraging them to take breaks from the screen and walking away because social media is so, it's everywhere, but it's also so scripted, I guess is a good word for it. It's just a snapshot into a person's life. It's not the whole story either. There's so many different kinds of ways that social media kind of plays out and can affect people's mental health. It's so important to take care of yourself and remove yourself from those kind of like distractions. Yeah. So I see it very important for them to take inventory of their digital life before, you know, during, before, during, and after the program, um, really thinking about what kind of content is, is on their feeds, how, how often things are coming in, even, even in their inbox, you know, how many, how many things are coming in subscriptions that they have that, you know, maybe coming in that you could turn off, that you don't need all that content coming at you, especially when you're going through a very difficult program where it's very time intensive and, and every second takes away, you know, mental space.
How does technology impact us positively here at the college? One of the biggest things we, we utilize technology for is simulation. So simulation is, is key for giving students experiences they may not see otherwise. You know, so even though they have um, clinical opportunities, they may not see every type of case that's out there. We may not be able to repeat those cases over and over and allow the students to experience those and, and make different decisions and make mistakes in a safe environment. So we utilize high-fidelity mannequins, which connect to um, you know, computerized systems that allow us to control all the vitals. It allows us to talk through these mannequins. These mannequins are uh, getting more and more sophisticated every year. You know, we have mannequins now that, that can move and have facial expressions. Um, you know, they have uh, pulses on just about every part of the body. Um, you can intubate them. You can, um, you know, insert fluids, you can, so you can actually draw blood or you can hook them up to IVs. So this, this technology is just amazing for giving students experiences they may otherwise not be able to, to interact with. Um, some of the mannequins now are actually coming out with AI. So probably talk a little bit more AI, about AI in a little bit, but for artificial intelligence in these mannequins, they're, they're actually coming up with the ability to have conversations with individuals. So it's kind of like having chat GPT within a mannequin, you know, with guardrails. So, it, but, <laughs> but the, but these opportunities, you know, these, these products are out there. Um, we also are looking heavily into XR, which is, you know, extended reality, which includes virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality. You know, I know there's a lot of <laughs> acronyms there, but um, essentially it's immersing students into situations that we may not otherwise be able to recreate very easily, um, you know, just in, a, in an open space. So um, giving students, you know, more opportunities to experience these situations that they may not see um, in their clinical settings. Uh, sector table. So we, we recently um, received a very generous donation um, that allows us to purchase a number of different technologies that um, are going to expand these types of opportunities. So the sector table is actually an anatomy table that allows you to um, view a student body from just about any angle and any um, in, inside the body as well. So taking all sorts of different cross sections with just about any part of the human body on a, on a large, basically a life-size table that can either lay flat or we can make it um, stand up and vertical and have discussions with students around the table about anatomy um, without having to have our own gross anatomy lab. Um, so the technologies, you know, given these opportunities that we would not have otherwise. Uh, immersive interactive room is one uh, technology that I'm really excited about here in the near future. So actually within the next month or so, we're having this installed. And it's basically projectors that project onto the walls of a room, uh, but it also has touch capabilities and um, has smells as well. So there's a number of, number of uh, I believe, I want to say 30 different smells that we can choose from to, to pump into the room while they're going through a scenario. But essentially, you can envision using a 360 camera to film just about any scenario that we would want, and we can project it up on the walls and then have smells pumped into the room. We, uh, it has touch capabilities as well. So you could have interactive quizzing on the walls or you can make it into like an escape room where the students have to find a certain part of the, the image on the wall and press it. And then, you know, a question may pop up or it may take them to a completely new scene. Um, 
talking about wellness too, we, uh, you can turn it into like a sensory room. So they do have like uh, modules that have snow falling and you can put your hand up against the wall and the snow will accumulate on your hand and then you let your hand go and then the snow falls again or they have bubbles that you can pop and those types of things. So, so along with, you know, putting the students into immersive, you know, clinical type setting situations, uh, we can, we could utilize it as a, as a wellness room as well. Mike, I have a quick question for you. So, Given all of this technology, how do you think it's going to impact you if educating? So, yeah, that's actually really good that you brought that up. Because I was thinking of this as you were talking about all those really cool things that we're getting in, right? Um, because I think it creates an authentic learning experience for the students. Um, it, like authentic, like real-world nursing experience. And it does so in a safe environment, which is one thing that you said. And I think it's really important for students to feel safe when they're learning. Um, that's really important. And then when they get into these situations that, you know, maybe they've had in a simulated setting in the real world with a real patient, they then know what to do. They can bring some of those things forward and say, okay, I know how to make this decision because it's all about their decision making and their judgment. And these scenarios really um, push them to make decisions. Okay. And then the value is, is after the scenario is done, you kind of debrief it and you say, okay, why did you make this decision? Why did you, you know, what were you thinking here? What were you thinking there? And it kind of is just a good way to try to build that critical thinking and that decision making. So I think that's great. I also think that ways that we um, teach in the classroom could change a little bit. I'm just thinking, you know, you have that spectra table that, um, or that immersive sim room. I got all kinds of ideas that I'm thinking of, right? Um, those are so many cool tools, right? And I think uh, as faculty, we will work with, you know, you and your team to try to say, okay, we have all these great resources and these great tools. How do we make this work for the students? How do we implement this in the classroom and um, for our students um, as far as in the lab setting? Um, but I think that that's Really, really, really exciting. So, Andy, should we be scared or optimistic of AI? I like to use the term uh, cautiously optimistic. You know, it's really hard to say what what direction it's going to go in different industries, right? You know, we really just want to be aware on how people are utilizing these tools and have honest conversations about the use of them and, and not pretend that they, they don't exist, right? One topic that kind of comes up is, is like the writing center, so that resource. So what is the difference between a, a, a student taking a piece of their work and putting it into AI and asking for feedback, asking for um, additions or edits, um, any other ideas they might want to, to tweak their writing um, compared to going to an in-person uh, writing center where they're doing very similar things, right? I think AI also misses context with writing too, especially in my field of communications. We've been hearing a lot about it, but a lot of the times it misses context. It misses key points that something like the writing center and the humans that work there are able to keep in mind of and really offer better feedback and thinking about that. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And and one of the most important things about using AI is the prompting. So prompting is is what you tell the AI you want it to produce. And the better prompt writing you provide with the AI, the better outcome you're going to have. And and so that really comes back to being an expert to know what content is coming back from the AI is actually accurate content or a good product. 
Yeah, so I, I will say I'm 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 gonna say that I I've actually been kind of scared of AI, um, and so and I think it's scared of you know, the unknown and a bit of the change. Um, and so, you know, and, and just for example, about a week ago, I downloaded the chat GTP app. Or is it GTP or G- GPT? GPT, GPT, yeah. I downloaded it and I and I said, you know what, let me ask you some questions. I asked some questions and I was like, wow, I was amazed at how quick it came up with the responses. And it almost kind of scared me. I like kind of <laughs> put my phone down, put it to the side. I was like, okay, we'll yeah. readdress that later. <laughs> so what do you say, do you have any advice for somebody like me that's maybe a little hesitant and I'm not going to lie, I'm a little hesitant on AI. It's right to have those kind of concerns. And, and it's important to understand the guidelines that we should have around it before we just start playing around with it or putting content into to AI. So one of my biggest concerns with AI um, at the university and at the college is making sure that we're you know, still following FERPA, that, that student information is not being put into AI, that um, we're being mindful of any um, university content that we have that we're not putting into AI uh, because you never know what, what they're going to do with that data, right? So these, these companies do have the data that we put into there to, you know, they use it to train their systems more and then um, whoever gets their hands on it and who knows exactly what they're going to do with it. So it's really important that the university too uh, has contracts. So anytime we utilize software, purchase a software within the college, it goes through a very strict process through the university um, to make sure that data policies are being followed by these companies. So when I, when I encourage individuals just to try it out, you know, so I would encourage you to continue to try it out, but be aware of what should and shouldn't be put in there. So if you want to just say, Hey, create a rubric based on, you know, these, um, certain guidelines and, you know, that's okay because it's, it's not specific, you know, it's not university data that you're, you know, potentially putting at risk and it's not student information. So I'll be upfront. I actually took one of my papers from my graduate work and asked it to grade it. Right. And then I also asked it to create a rubric and I said, Hey, let's say that this is like a perfect paper. What would a rubric look like? Um, you know, if, if you said that this was the perfect paper, right. So it could help instructors, you know, build rubrics and there's all sorts of things that it can do. And I even have it just, you know, help me rewrite my conclusion, help me, you know, make, make sure I'm not missing anything. Right. So, so I really do encourage individuals to use it and try it out. Um, but be aware of kind of where the guardrails are. Yeah, I, I can see the usefulness, especially from an efficiency standpoint. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, you spend a lot of your day, you know, emailing and, you know, writing, you know, rubrics and, you know, and, and, and objectives and different things like that. Um, I can see it being an advantage there. So then it frees up some of your time to focus on some other things, you know, as far as, you know, student learning wise, maybe following up with students, you know, things that maybe that paperwork stuff. So I think from an efficiency standpoint, I definitely, yeah, uh, I think I need to start using it. Um, it's just, it, it, it just, it's just a little scary. So I appreciate you kind of expanding on that a little bit. What is your team's kind of focus with AI and how are we implementing and impacting the college with it specifically? Yeah, great, great question. I think our first um, main goal is to work with faculty and students and staff to figure out how they're using it right now to see who's using it and kind of test the waters on where, you know, where people are at with it. Um, and then educating individuals about um, how to use it, how to use it within the guidelines. So what we're encouraging all faculty to do is to review 
their courses and all their assignments and think about what assignments they're asking students to complete that could be assisted by AI um, and determine whether they want students to use AI to assist them or if they if they don't want to, if they want to restrict it. So it might mean changing uh, certain assignments, you know, to, to make sure that they're not susceptible to be, you know, used, you know, completed through the use of, of AI. You know, when you bring that up, it makes me think of AI sometimes. And that's why I was a little, when I typed in those questions and got those responses, it kind of made me think it's kind of like a cheat code almost. Um, and so I just, you know, as far as that goes, you know, I think as an educator, it makes you a little bit uncomfortable um, because it, and it just, I would say more uncomfortable just because you want to make sure that students work as a representation of what they know. Um, and not what the chat GTP um, knows. And, and so that's, and, and especially when we have nurses that are making decisions at the bedside with their knowledge, um, that to me is a little bit scary. So what would you think from a student standpoint as far as like, um, you know, using, is there any advice as far as using um, AI? And, and Yeah, kind of so thing? from the student perspective, I think it's very important that they, you know, they talk with the instructor, they look through the handbooks and they, you know, follow the, you know, the, the guidelines that we have set forward about honesty, mm -hmm. you know, the, um, the honor code yep. essentially to make sure that they're following those guidelines. Right. But, but really it could be a tutor, right. Mm -hmm. But they do have to verify this information. So we have students, you know, obviously they're, they're all here to learn. They want to learn. They're, they're passionate about this career choice that they've made they want to learn. So that's the, I think that's the stance that we need to take first, first and foremost, is that they're here to learn. They're not here to just skate by yeah. and, and cheat, right. you know? Um, so, so we need to take that standpoint and then we need to encourage these conversations so they can utilize the technology in an effective way. Cause it is being used in certain clinical settings, right? Like it can help diagnose patients. It can, it can read all sorts of different you know, um, data points and, and provide recommendations. But at the end of the day, there needs to be a professional who can interpret that information that the AI is feeding them. And, and when you said, you know, about the right way, I think that that's really important. As long as it's used in the right way, I think that's the biggest thing because, um, you know, as far as, you know, I can even see like, you know, if I type in, you know, uh, five NCLEX questions on cardiac, I could see as a student, that would be extremely helpful. And then, you know, provide the rationale to those questions, right? Um, that would be extremely useful and, you know, time well spent to mm -hmm. try to, you know, um, really have access to that pretty quickly at your fingertips. Um, and that quick access to, you know, that um, those extra resources to pull those things in. You know, as far as nurses at the bedside, um, you know, this is a college of nursing. How could you see nurses incorporating AI at the bedside? Because my mind's starting to head there. I'm starting to be open yeah. to it, starting to think of all the possibilities because nurses have a lot on their plate and heavy patient loads. How do you think that that could help, like, maybe nursing efficiencies or quality of care things? Absolutely. So I, I could see, and, and some of this is happening in different organizations where they're building their own customized AIs. So, so they can ask questions and it will be more, more focused on their specific organization. Right. So, so I think they'll be able to get quicker answers, right. They'll be able to um, plug in information. They may be able to give these tools to their patients and allow the patients to ask questions, but with a moderator, you know, or, or in, in guardrails. So then, you know, making sure that the AI is actually feeding correct information. 
but it, it should again provide efficiencies in all sorts of areas. I mean, that's what these large language models are meant to predict outcomes, you know, from the data that it, they were provided. So we need to be cautious about that because we can't take it all for truth. However, there's a lot of ways where this can take large amounts of data and streamline it and provide outputs that are really gonna, you know, get answers to individuals quickly. So Andy, I have a question for you relating back to the college's mission. Part of our mission is to advance ed nursing education here. How are we going to use AI to really advance nursing education? But also, what is it gonna do to help us accomplish things that we couldn't before? Right, absolutely. So I think uh, we've mentioned uh, previously about simulation and how it gives uh, students exposure to um, you know, patients or conditions they may not be able to regularly see out in the real world so we can, we can help them practice these things, right? So I could see AI, us building our own kind of AI patient, right? So some of these simulated mannequins are now coming out with artificial intelligence built into them so we can help program those systems to react the way the instructors want them to react for the students. So then the students are being exposed to these, you know, conversations with patients and we're able to help guide that. That's awesome. What an authentic learning experience then too, you know, because I think sometimes we have trouble replicating that human aspect in um, which, I mean, it's not a real human, right? But it's, it's, it's going to respond uh, similarly. And I think that that authentic piece is, I think, what's really important there. Um, because we have sometimes, we have difficulty as educators replicating that in the simulated environment is that whole human element or those, you know, curveballs that the patient might throw your way or where they might, you know, give you something that you don't expect. Um, and, and, have, and seeing how our students react to some of those things um, because it is an AI program, because it is kind of learning and it has that algorithm and it's learning over time. I think that that's, that's real value. There's from an authenticity piece. But it's also showing the innovation that we're doing here at the college to mm -hmm. really move and push nursing education forward because as a big 10, we kind of have that kind of legacy to be able to do that, but also to really prepare nurses to impact our communities to make them more educated but educated in ways that we couldn't before to make them the leaders on the bedside, at the bedside. Absolutely. I, I feel like uh, accessibility is another big uh, passion of mine and, and in the technology area. Uh, actually, three of, of my staff members are uh, liaisons for accessibility. So we, we meet with the university um, you know, leaders in that area to make sure that any assignments that we create have you know, are accessible and have alternatives for students with disabilities or even faculty with disabilities who may need support with certain technologies. Um, so what's interesting is the new um, well, chat GPT-4 just came out with some extra features and that includes um, being able to see and speak. So it's interesting. So, you know, right now you kind of type in and it responds text to you. So now it has the ability to respond verbally, which you could add in a plug-in to do that previously. So that's not really big news. Um, but the seeing part is actually extremely interesting for, especially for accessibility. So it could look at a picture and interpret it and provide alternative text. So one of our roles within the college is to make sure that students, um, content in their courses is accessible, which means it has captions, it has alternative text for any images. 
So um, ChatGPT version four now, which is a paid for version, so you have to upgrade to that. Uh, but it has the ability to, to look in an image and interpret it and, and provide alternative text. So that is something that we, we are looking into uh, to see if that can help us more efficiently provide alternative text for images that are placed in course content. Andy, we are so appreciative of you coming on the episode to just kind of talk about where we're at with technology and how we're advancing nursing education here at the college. Do you have any kind of parting thoughts for us about this? I think first and foremost, it's, it's, I'm just so appreciative of how well we work together as a college to make these things come together. From the technology side, I can bring forward things that I think might work in the classroom, right, or in the clinical practice setting. Um, but it's the collaboration with the faculty and other staff as well and, and input with the students, you know, understanding what kind of feedback the students have and what they want to see and how they're feeling about certain technologies that we're integrating into the curriculum. Uh, we just have an absolutely amazing team here that works together to to implement these things. It's not just on a few people, you know. It's it's a whole village that puts together um, these these technologies and how they're actually implemented. To find your breaking news and latest updates within the College of Nursing, please refer to our website at nursing.msu.edu. But to join the conversation, you can find us on all social media platforms at M-I-C-H-S-T Nursing. Who will? Spartan Spartan nurses nurses will. will. I like it.